Chance time, chance time, chance time. Welcome, everyone. It's chance time. This is a video game podcast. My name is Paul Bills. I'm one of the hosts. With me is Ryan Speakman. Hello, Paul. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. I wish people could see your blanket over your head thing you're doing. Um, if you're listening, just know that Ryan has a blanket on its head, and I think it looks funny. So if you could just chuckle to yourself imagining that, that'd be great. It's freezing. Uh, Curtis is joining in. <laughs> oh, Curtis is getting in on the blanket on the head. Am I like the, the evil one? My blanket's <laughs> yes. black and red. And yours is white. Oh, it's, it's, it's a Jedi Sith thing you're doing <laughs> now. now. Yeah, okay. I don't like Darth Maul or something. That's also with us is Curtis Lowe. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why you're doing this. This is nice. Yeah. Comforting. I don't have a blanket nearby. I can't join you. I'm so like sorry. It's not heavy enough, though, and it keeps the weight of the blanket keeps pulling itself off my head, mm. and it keeps it's stuck on my chair. Wasn't yeah. meant to be a head blanket. Oh, <laughs> too far. <laughs> Maybe if I just do over shoulder, but now my my arms are cold. That's a, a conundrum. Yeah, I. It is cozy though. Welcome to the Blanket uh, Podcast, where we discuss a, I'm fully blankets. Oh, smart. You just got to wrap it. This is a blanket I bought that is meant to be on a bed 24-7, but I was like, <laughs> it's huge, so I'm using this as my personal blanket forever. Big blanket. Let us know what you think about blankets Already. at chancetimepodcast at gmail.com. Hashtag big blankets for all the Chance Time listeners out there. <laughs> Nothing but the best. Uh, I don't. I don't know where to take this preamble. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about blankets, listener? Let us know. Uh, video games. We're talking about video games. What's the best blanket in video games? <laughs> I, I don't know. Blankets. Question. Blankets are not Google. usually a thing. Best blanket in video games. I can't oh. even think of a blanket in a video game right now. Neither can Google, because it's just offering me gaming blankets to buy. Oh, okay, there you go. Oh, so, that's great. All right. Ooh, you can get one on Etsy that's customizable. This is Jordan's gaming blanket. And how is it customizable? Like, what can you, you can customize? Probably your name. That's it. Oh, nice. It's got it's got Roblox on it. That is my favorite video game. All right. Well, I did I searched how to get the blanket in and it auto-populated Stray. So Stray has a blanket. Oh, okay. That would make sense if Stray had a blanket. To get a blanket? I do you, I remember taking a nap was a... probably in a blanket. That was some smart Googling, Ryan. I'm impressed. That is thinking on your feet there. Thank you. Okay, well, hold on. Uh, after obtaining the electric cable, players will need to take the item and give it to Grandma, who is present near Elliot Programming. After doing so, oh, she yeah. will knit the cat a poncho, which Elliot will then refer that. to as a blanket. So it's really a poncho. So mm. it is not the best blanket in gaming. Let's see. Anything else auto populates? Nothing. 
hope this might be an episode where internet is not as great um, because Paul and Curtis. For your phone? Oh, you're back. Everything froze. So we didn't oh. hear about the ultimate blanket for gamers that has thumb holes? <laughs> I, I did not. <laughs> no. Oh, I heard all about it. I'm sold. Jealous. It's pretty incredible. And a phone pocket. I don't know if this is the most reputable website, but it's a website. I mean, and it says it's selling it, this blanket. The images are like not high enough resolution for the website. I think this is great. It's going to go real well. What about that one game uh, that's a spin off of the other game? where life is strange and the kid is a superhero and he ties a blanket around him. Ooh. Oh, what is that called? Yeah. This is the best I can do for thinking of best blanket in gaming. (laughs) This is a lot more than I expected to get (laughs) out of that question, though. (laughs) All right. Listeners, it's your turn. Tell us best blankets in gaming. Email us stressandpodcast.com or join our Discord. Link in the description. Is there not like a quilting game, like a cozy quilting game? There's got to be. There's a there's a quilting board game called Patchwork that has a digital adaptation. But oh, I was just gonna say, I just found it on Steam. Yeah. Uh, All right, but I don't think. There's a quilting like video game. There's got to be blankets in Animal Crossing. Right? I was just looking that up, but again, it's the same problem that you see Animal Crossing themed blankets that you can buy in real life. Right. There's the cozy picnic blanket. Okay. Yeah, it looks like a blanket. <laughs> well. I've run out of things to say about blankets. <laughs> <laughs> I think Stray is still the winner until someone tells us otherwise. Yeah. I don't know. It's technically a poncho. <laughs> but there's not a better candidate, so it's, it still wins. <laughs> True. Okay, well, with that, let's get into one thing. <laughs> Our famous segment where we talk about any one thing we want to talk about usually gaming related but not always uh anyone just dying to tell their one thing i've got a lot of one things that i'm dying to oh perfect all right you you go ryan and then if we have to circle back to you again we'll do it so lead us out they should all be pretty short the first update i have i have attempted 23 runs in hades thus far okay okay and i have beat hades oh yeah that's pretty good 23 that's yeah my last run is when i did it and it was after uh the previous run a day or two before that i made it to the second phase the second time um out of all my runs and i was so frustrated about how hard it was for me to learn the patterns and how (laughs) far behind I was. And then the 23rd run was it, I guess I, 
I the past like three or four runs, I decided I'm only using shield because that's what I'm best with, and I want to beat this. <laughs> um, and it was very satisfying. I I loved when uh, Hades told him to. Uh, I can't spoil it, I guess, for people who haven't played, but it's old. So when Hades said, <laughs> uh, tell her that Cerberus is doing fine, that made me laugh. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that part. Um, yeah. And, and what was that? I was just going to say, and now the game begins. Yeah. I I'm I honestly am excited to keep going. Like they they really yeah. do a good job of keeping you in there and yeah. Um yeah. It's uh it's been fun. And now I have to learn how to use other weapons better. I also realize that I should be switching off uh items more often. Or not items, whatever the trinkets are. What are those called in the glass case? Yeah, I don't remember. But yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and so like doing one where I get 100 coins for the first thing where everything's easy and then switching to one where I do more damage where everything's still easy and mm. then switching to one where they give you more hits to take because it took me a while to get the pattern down for uh the bull man and the spear throwing guy i I don't remember mm -hmm. any of their names um <laughs> and then for hades i would usually switch to the uh fourth resurrection which mm -hmm. i felt mm -hmm. like i needed but i didn't need it for that final run so i felt pretty good about that i think what it was is i got a bunch of like things that upped my chance of getting criticals and uh, upped my damage when I did a critical hit. And so I was doing a lot of damage by the end. But aside from that, the time before that I lost, I was like, I need to take a break and do something a little cozier. So I installed mm -hmm. a little to the left, which Paul bought me. Oh, there it is. And it is exactly what it was advertised. <laughs> just a bunch of puzzles that you do and it's great for people with OCD the first puzzle is a picture is hung but it's askew and all you have to do is move it so it's perfectly straight and then you win and then you see a bunch of pencils just scattered everywhere and you have to click on them and organize them from largest to smallest and uh, the past couple times I've played Hades, I decided one run of Hades and then like a little bit of little to the left. And it's been nice. The, the, one of the interesting things about a little to the left is some puzzles you can earn one star, but some puzzles have two stars, some puzzles have three stars, but it doesn't have anything to do with like time or how well you're doing it but if it has two mm. stars that means it has two different solutions if it has three oh, stars it has three different solutions and so for example uh there was one that had a bunch of jars jars of like sand and it had 
a jar of blue sand and a jar of green sand. And then it had a jar with mostly blue sand with some green sand, a jar with kind of them equally scattered. And so far, like, so you think, okay, I've got to do this from like one gradient to the other gradient. And you do that and you gain one star and then it's like, okay, but there's a second solution to this. And so you kind of like fiddle around with it. And then eventually I realized that the sand was curved in such a way that you could do it so that all the jars lined up and had like kind of like an equal wave going across it. And that was the second solution. And so wow, there's a lot of stuff like that that is pretty cool. But yeah, it's uh, if you like puzzles and if you don't like it when things are messy, it's a great game. <laughs> Um, and then the final thing I just wanted to talk about briefly is I've been playing Pikmin one plus two, uh, HD. I got that on the, the switch and Pikmin one was like less than five hours. I did it in basically two days, the entire game. And it's very easy. And I don't know if it would be as easy if I haven't played other Pikmin games and definitely if I got this on the GameCube I would have done a lot worse but it is very fun still like it was a nice like short experience and it's interesting because like I do really like seeing how Pikmin has evolved playing all of these but it really just reiterates the fact that if you want to play Pikmin just play Pikmin 4 because it it like takes everything that Pikmin has ever done and perfects it and like they even add a mode that is just a condensed vo- version of Pikmin 1 and so I don't know it's got it all but I'm in the middle of Pikmin 2 right now and I just love Pikmin who I would have never known that I loved Pikmin but Pikmin is like it's very addicting and it is very relaxing while being stressful at the same time. And uh, Pikmin two was the first one to introduce caves and they're frustrating because you just keep going deeper and you keep losing more and more Pikmin and you just never know if you're going to get out with enough Pikmin. Um, But I don't know. That'll probably carry me through those three games. (laughs) Plus Case of the Golden Idol, which I'm also playing for a review, <laughs> will carry me through until what I am calling... Uh, by the way, I forgot to say this. This month shall forever be known as the Spider Month of Wonder. It's going <laughs> to catch on. And Beautiful. Uh, of course, contained within Spider Month of Wonder is Spider Day of Wonder the 20th of October when Spider-Man two and super Mario brothers wonder comes out. So just counting down the days, really excited for some excellent video games. That is all. Beautiful. You did it. Woo. Welcome to spider month of wonder <laughs> sponsored by chance time. Uh, Curtis, you have a one thing? I hinted at it earlier Ooh, in the chat. I, um, I, I love setups and payoffs. 
very exciting. I finally got the emulation stuff set up on my Steam Deck. That is exciting to me. I hear the police Uh-oh. sirens. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never find me under my blanket. That's why he's wearing his dark blanket. <laughs> I've turned to the dark side. Um, yeah, there's just a few old games, like the one I uh, put in the Chance Time Discord. Uni Racers, which I don't know if they do. Have you guys ever played Uni Racers? I believe I did, but I don't remember why or when. I think it's a game that we rented a lot from like Blockbuster or whatever when I was growing up. And it's literally you just, it's like a 2D racing, but you like, there's switchbacks where you flip and like, then you go the other way on the course and stuff, and you're just a unicycle. You're not a person on a unicycle. You are a unicycle. <laughs> um, and they all do have the names pedals, and everything. Do the pedals uh, move, or does it just yeah. glide? Yeah. Okay. They, they move, and then as you do tricks and you land tricks, you gain speed. The first track's literally just a straightaway, and the only way to you just so you sit there and just do front flips. And pretty soon your unicycle's like leaning forward like Sonic and the wheel like, you know. Oh, nice. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Sonic. Of how he starts running fast and his legs start to blur, you know. Like the spokes in the wheel and the unicycle blur and it, like the wheel squishes down. Anyway, <laughs> um, there's just a few games like that where there's just literally no way to play them without emulating them. That's one of them. Um, but the game I'm excited about is... A highly requested game of a few dozen people probably nintendo made is mother three which has just still never come to the u.s um but a excellent fan fan translation exists and i'm excited wow. to play it that's intense yeah so yeah maybe after really what's that will i play the whole thing do you think you will? I want to really bad. I really liked Earthbound a lot. I don't know if either of you have played the whole game of Earthbound. Um, I have not played the whole thing, but it's that's one ending of a video game that I didn't expect to hit me as hard as it did, and it's really stuck with me like ever since. Um, maybe it's just because I had no idea what was going to come in this specific moment. You know, it's like, oh wow, like this really, for whatever reason, just like really resonated with me. Um, and especially just how the whole game is, it's just a weird, just, it's a weird game. (laughs) It's got a lot of weird stuff and the humor in it is just nice and it's just dry humor. Um, I don't know. It's just a, a strange game and just a very specific niche humor that I really enjoy. And, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but. It's just a fun, yeah, but it's not like, it's not like dark or scary really ever, you know, Um, but every once in a while it has a moment that is, and it hits harder Mm. for that because of that contrast, you know, Um, yeah, there's just some off-putting moments, but then at the same time, so much of it is just so, I guess eclectic is a good word for it and just weird and out there and just vibrant and yeah, like happy at the same time, I guess, Mm, I don't know, but yeah, so I'm excited to play Mother 3. I hope it's similar to that. And I hope I get through it. We'll see. But emulation, honestly, is a great way to play old games like that. 
just because of like save states and stuff, it makes it all just a more palatable experience. Which is how I beat the original Earthbound, because towards the end of the game, there's some pretty bogus <laughs> enemies that are just, for some reason, super hard, regardless of how overleveled you are, it felt like, from what I can remember anyway. So <clears throat> I remember save scumming a bit to get to the end, but I don't regret that at all. It's a good way to play it. I'm still hoping that one day Nintendo will do all the mother games in the style of Link's Awakening remake. Yeah, that would be great if they did like a package deal. I mean, even that's one I would buy again just because I would definitely would want to support that. It's a cool little, they're cool games. There's not a whole lot like them besides obviously all the indie games that have come from that are inspired by it, like Undertale is obviously the big one, but yeah, it's a cool, cool, interesting game. So I'm excited for Mother 3 and to finally learn who this Lucas kid is. Wow, you've stolen Reggie's bounty. Yeah, well. <laughs> Met with silence. All right. Okay. I can't. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> I guess apparently. I don't know. Did, didn't people bother him a lot about Mother Three, and he always talks about? Yeah, it, it was just a recurring yeah. joke. When is Mother Three coming? It just would never come. Which is fair. I I don't know. I can't imagine that the real, really, the interest is that high for it as a whole. You know, but there's clearly a few passionate fans that really want want to play it officially. But I don't think it's a big group honestly yeah similar to the snyder cut am i right take that snyder cut fans there are dozens of us (laughs) i heard mother three is actually inside the snyder cut (laughs) if you know the input actually get your copy of mother three while watching the snyder cut on max have we already talked about the fact that Frog Fractions 2 was released within yes. a game? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blows my mind still. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know Frog Fractions, uh, Curtis? No. Okay. Is this like a edutainment game about fractions? It's a it's well, essentially, it pretended to be that. Yeah. yeah. It was a browser game, but you can get it for free on Steam now, and it starts off like that, and then it takes some pretty wild turns. Ah. Yeah. And then it was like a secret for a long time that, or it was like an open secret that he was working on two, and then it released inside like a completely unrelated game. You had to find it inside that game and i think it was out for a while with no one noticing yeah yeah and then they eventually found it i i bought that game a long time ago because it's just curious i think it was right. like glitter mitten grove or something like that is the game right weird and, and then like... and then you have to do something in that game to like unlock frog fractions too you're like but it's like this. Do something weird, yeah. As like a fairy city builder or something like that. <clears throat> yeah. It's quite the thing. Mm. Um. 
Noclip made a documentary about it. Very fascinating stuff to me. That's weird. Okay, Curtis, did we finish your one thing? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> okay, it's my turn. I have two things. Number one, uh, Spark the Electric Jester 3. Whoa, you played it. Which was given to me by Ryan. I played it with my son, uh, known Sonic connoisseur Ryan Bills. So I played it with him. And we were pretty lost right out of the gate. Oh, no. Like there's like a there's like a tutorial level right after the first level that we could not figure out what it wanted us to do. There's like this double jump dash charge dash move that's like the first tutorial it gives you, which seems like super advanced. You have to like yeah. you have to dash, jump, double jump in time, dash, and then hold charge dash and then you like make it across this gap and we could not do it for like a half hour i was like what are we doing wrong it probably wasn't a half hour but it was at least like 10 minutes of just like i don't know how to do this uh and um so while we were trying to like kind of figure it out i kept i kept saying like this doesn't make any sense and then my son picked up on that and he was like yeah, this doesn't make sense, and Sonic does. That's why I don't like anyone messing with Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, kept saying that until finally we figured out that tutorial level. And then so I let him play just, like, a regular level. And it was so funny because he's sitting there, like, totally into it and, like, <laughs> trying to play. And he's like, I don't like people messing with Sonic. And then he, like, won't put it down and won't stop playing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> getting mixed messages here, but... Is he just playing out of spite? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, he, he's asked a couple times to play it after that first time we played it. And I was like, mm, seems like you didn't hate it, after all. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the verdict? Uh, is, it, is it good? But it's I, not good at the tutorial? Yeah, like, it has good ideas it's definitely it solves some of the problems with sonic where mm -hmm. i feel like i've said before like every sonic game i've played i feel like i win despite sonic not because of sonic mm -hmm. like mario i win because mario can do things and i can i can you know control mario to do those things in sonic i win figuring out how to work around sonic's limitations like figuring out how to get a like how to know like his stop and start momentum and like how to hold the x button in just the right way because he jumps weird um and so it's like i have to get around the issues rather than use the mechanics that's always how i feel when i play sonic games and i did not get that feeling here it did feel more like the buttons did what i expected them to do when i expected them to do it so I did appreciate that it felt just more tight than every Sonic game feels to me. And I know that that's like, at this point, it's on purpose in Sonic, but I still hate it. Like, I never <laughs> feel good in a Sonic game. And Sonic bosses are just cruel. Um, again, not because they're, like, hard, but because, like, it's hard to do the thing you know you need to do because there's these little quirks and the mechanics anyway 
Um, so yeah, I don't like love it, but I've never really. I just don't love the setup of Sonic games mm. very much. Yeah, <laughs> and. I don't like it tries to give you like a brief story overview and I did not get that at all. Um I don't understand the story but like Sonic games don't have story either. I don't I don't know what they're doing. So they do. I do he think real women. <laughs> I do think it does what it's supposed to do of like being a mechanically better Sonic. That, but see... it's not nearly that's all that matters to me. Yeah. Because Sonic it, looks fun to me when I'm watching right. like what's happening on the screen, but I agree when I touch it, I'm like, he is not doing what I want him to do. Right. Yeah. Um even so, the, like yeah. it's not that I don't know the buttons. I know the buttons and it just doesn't work the way you expect ever. Yeah. yeah. So it um, sounds like a success to me. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I will say, like, Sonic's character design is, of course, way better, you For know, sure. and the overall art direction of Sonic is better. So I was actually surprised how much my son took to it, because I thought that would be a big hurdle for him, but I think he just likes anything that feels like Sonic in any way. Um, speed. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's that's one one thing. Now I'll do two one thing. Uh We'll flip the script now. This is this is a game that I love that I feel like a lot of people might not. Uh, so ma- many people know, if you listen to the podcast and have for a while, I absolutely love Marvel Champions, the card game. And I play it solo most of the time I play it. I've played it multiplayer, but I've played way more games solo than with other people. And... So this has slowly brought me around to the idea of I enjoy solo board games, which honestly, like saying that out loud, sounds very pathetic to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hear it and I recognize it, but I also can't get around the fact that like I really do enjoy solo board games. So I finally gave in to this instinct. And there's a solo board game that I've heard a lot about, but I've never wanted to try it because I never wanted to buy a game that was just solo. But I finally just went for it after doing some more Marvel Champions and just loving solo board gaming again. So I bought the game called Final Girl, which is a horror movie board game that is exclusively solo. There is not a multiplayer mode. It is 100% a solo game. And the idea is there's a core box that has the core components, and then there's, at this point, like eight or maybe 12 feature film boxes that are separate horror movies that contain uh, two characters you can play as, a location, and a bad guy. And... Basically, the game is you are the final girl in the movie. And so there's like a map. You are there's setup cards that um, kind of randomize the setup of where do you start? Where does the killer start? Where do the potential victims start? And you, the final girl, are trying to get the victims off the board safely, like out of the location. So they're out of the range of the killer. 
And then you're trying to gear up by getting items at different locations on the board. And then you have to take the fight to the killer and you have to beat the killer to win the game. But if the killer kills you, you lose the game. Um, and so every feature film box has two final girls you can play as and then like a different scenario. But then you can mix and match. So any killer can go at any location. So if you have multiple boxes, you can really start like varying everything. Um, Longtime listeners of the podcast will also know that I pretty much avoid horror as a genre in every medium. But for some reason, this board game really clicks for me. <laughs> I guess it's the feeling of like feeling empowered within the horror rather than powerless and like feeling like this is something I can win. And also it's just a board game. So there's not too much reinforcing the horror aspect. I mean, it's in the art and it's in the text, but like it's not like a video game or a movie where there's so much more detail about the horror. Um, but yeah, it's really good. Uh, I don't know how many people out there would be into solo board games. I mean, because it's not... Is there no multiplayer option? There is no multiplayer option. It is a purely solo game. Yeah. And actually, they did like... I can't remember if they call it series or season, but they did series one and series two, and series three is on Kickstarter right now. Um so it it's done very very well. That's part of why I picked it up because I've seen so many, you know, board gaming people talk about Final Girl, but yeah, I always kind of dismissed it because I was like, "Well, it's solo only." But I finally was just like, "You know what? I'm doing more of this now than multiplayer gaming. Let's just lean into it because that does look fun and it has really paid off. It's super super cool." And I guess like you could the same way you play like Resident Evil or Until Dawn, where you have like a group together and you make the decisions together, you could just do it that way. Um, but yeah, there's there's no way to have like multiple girls. You know, it's it's called the final girl. There's only one final girl versus the killer. Um, yeah, and it's just like it's it's similar to Marvel Champions. It's very good at evoking the story it's meant to invoke you know like marvel champions i've said it again and again just is really good at translating these characters and their abilities into these card effects so you really feel like you're playing out a comic book story same thing here with final girl like there's so much to the way it's built uh, and you know it helps like both comic books and horror movies are pretty formulaic as is um so it's easy to kind of fill in the blanks for the game and know what it's trying to do, you know, uh, and just feel that story happening. But you're like a part of it. It's it's super super cool. So is this uh, something you can kind of replay, or do you get through it once and it's kind of? Oh no, it's super um, replayable. Okay. Even if you only even if you only have one box, because you only use a certain number of like the cards every time. So there's like, there's items that you might like, I'm pretty sure I've played two full games and I know there's items I've never seen. I know there's like bad guy power cards. I've never seen 
there's different setups to the same scenario that I haven't seen. So yeah, even just one box is really replayable. But if we get multiple boxes and then you can start mixing and matching locations and killers, it becomes oh. like tons of different options. Yeah. Wait, so do you have to get the core box and then another box to play? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, That's kind of that Yeah. So what I bought, they just call it the starter kit. And it's like a slip case that has the core and the and what the feature film, the Happy Trails Horror is what it's called. I think that's their like Yeah, yeah. That's their starter one. So yeah, I bought the starter kit that just had both those boxes and a slip case. Uh, yeah, that's super cool. Do you think you will buy more solo board games? Or is this like the Uh, one? I'm that's a good question. Uh, I'm gonna explore this one and Marvel Champions. I still have not like there's yeah, there's at least one villain that I own in Marvel Champions that I've actually never played against still. <laughs> so I feel like I gotta get my full value out of Marvel Champions. And um, then this one oh go ahead. Uh I was just gonna say, are there more like solo only board games this is a new concept mm-hmm. to me yeah there i just are. recently watched a video and i have a couple on my amazon wish list yeah and i'm interested it's, in it's a relatively new phenomenon because okay. y- y- we all had to get this pathetic together in the hobby <laughs> you know <laughs> we all kind of had to like look exciting or- to me honestly because that's the one thing uh, that's a struggle with board games is right finding the time to have others people time like other people's time and like the schedules to align and everything right. you know that's hard to get lined up well and the thing about like final girl is it feels complex but it still goes pretty fast because you're not waiting for anything yeah you know you're not waiting for other players you're not explaining you're not you're just playing you know um so yeah, Check it feels the like you're playing frustrating parts of board games. <laughs> <laughs> the other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's super common now that board games will have a solo mode. Almost every board yes. game coming out now that has a I'm solo familiar mode. with. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the solo modes have like specific rules to make yeah, it and work. Co- and specific components. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, a lot of those I've been really turned off by because I feel like I have to learn a whole different game. And I'm like, I'm going to get this confused with the real game. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is part of why I love Marvel Champions so much because it plays exactly the same solo or multiplayer. There's, there's no rule changes. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I am, I, there's one other feature film box for Final Girl. There's one that's like based on Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. But I like, saw that one, yeah. Yeah, but like horrified. I'm, I I have ordered that one, and I'm going to play that and then try to mix and match. I don't think I'll get any more at this point, um, but I'll play through these several times. And then I'm not like immediately like, now I'm going to go buy all the solo board games I can find. That's That's not what I'm thinking, but... Uh, but now my, I'll be open if someone's saying like this is you know 
the next really good solo board game, I'll be more open to it than I was before. Um, yeah, there's there's another one. I can't remember what it's called, but it's essentially like complicated space invaders. Um, what is that called? <laughs> but it's like it's like a long board and there's like aliens coming toward you and like every round they all move and so you have to like manage and try to take them out before they advance on your can't remember what it's called um but that one does seem kind of interesting as well yeah that sounds fun um but yeah i would be curious too if any of these games work as like hey let's just chat through it you know, like, let's sit around the table and decide what to do. Um, and then if people need to, like, come and go, it won't matter, you know? Yeah. Because um, that is another thing when I try to play board games with other adults, there's usually kids around and kids, you know, pick random times to be demanding. And that, like, stops the game for everybody. Um, yeah. But if we did this, like, as a group, I wonder if we'd be able to work around that better and then like some people wouldn't need to learn every tiny little rule because that's the other thing that frustrates people is like they like the idea but they don't want to sit down and listen to and learn all the rules especially if we're not going to be playing this all the time you know because with my uh one problem I give myself with board games is I want to move on to the next one rather than replay a ton. And so people, I think, I kind of burn people out on learning rules of games. Yeah. Uh, it's honestly a... nice. Some of my favorite board games recently have been shorter ones that play like oh, yeah. 30 minutes tops just so that you can be like, oh, okay, I get it. Let's play it again kind of a thing. And then yeah. you can play it more often. Whereas like big complicated ones just don't. One, it's just a big time commitment. But then if you're new to the game, you know, that first play through is never as fun because you're still learning the game. It doesn't matter how well someone explains it, you know, like you don't really learn everything until you're playing and then you might make a decision. And then like an hour into the game, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that thing. But I didn't know because I'm learning kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Under Falling Skies. I finally found it. That's the name of the one that looks like Space Invaders. Under Falling Skies? Under Falling Skies. Oh, yeah, yeah. That showed up in all the Amazons. Gotcha. Why is this one 20 more dollars? I don't know. It didn't look that big when I saw pictures of it. Yeah, this one looks right. That looks cool. Well, Don't mind you... me, I'm just adding stuff to my wish list. <laughs> if you want to test it out, Paul, let us know. And we'll okay. uh, stream it on busy Discord. Friday night? <laughs> well, I was going to say he could even just film it on Discord and we can just all sit yeah. around and just tell him what to do. <laughs> talk through it. Yeah. Is that, is that a Twitch thing now? Do people twi stream solo board games on Twitch? Uh. I know there's like the the Watch It Play channel, which is one of the biggest board game channels because they do all the rules videos. They now have like a show on their channel that's called Table for One, and it's just different people playing 
it's usually solo modes of board games, but they have one for Final Girl where she, uh, Paula Deming from that channel, played through a scenario solo, and they like they dr- they dramatized it a little bit. Like she kind of got into it, you know, and and helped draw out the story while she was playing. It was actually kind of cool. And uh, there's a promo card of her that you can get as the final girl, and she played it as herself. <laughs> hmm. uh, so she played as Paula, the final girl, and she they like dressed her to match what how she looks on the card. Um, and then there's a point in the game where you flip your final girl card. And when you f- the flip side looks like injured, and like when they cut to her after she flipped the card, they had like done her makeup so she looked injured in the same ways as the card. It was <laughs> one of the more like produced board game playthroughs I had seen. Yeah, it's a commitment. I did just find someone playing a solo board game live right now on Twitch. So. Which game is it? I don't know. The video is called Let's Be Ghosts. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Thought I would. I don't know. He's looking at instructions right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. That's actually I an really... untapped market. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't reading, know. Uh, reading instructions on Twitch. He's going for it. 20 courage cards and four darker corners rooms. I don't know what this game is. That's what he's reading. Darker corners rooms. Yeah. I wonder if the game's actually called Let's Be Ghosts. That would be really funny. Oh, and yeah, that's the other thing is normally I don't really get into like the Halloween spirit very much, but I feel like Final Girl is helping me. It is Get more very, excited for spooky yeah. fall Halloween season. Yeah. So this maybe it. this can maybe be my one horror tradition. Is I'll play Final Girl every October. Okay. Well, that that's my one thing. We did it. Um. Would love to hear if anybody else is is playing solo board games. Jump into our games on tables channel. Tell us about it. Um, I'll let you know, Paul. It's been a long time I've wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to get it. It's the game I'm really curious to get. Oh, I shouldn't have brought this up because I don't remember what it's called. But it's something about tree, like a... Um, here, I'll just find it real quick. Grove. That's what it is. You're growing citrus fruits. And yeah. there's a squirrel, and it takes, like, I don't know, it says 10 minutes to play. It's a solitary game. Yeah. So orchard, that's the word. So you're growing an orchard and trying to maximize how many uh, lemons and limes and oranges you get from it. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, I could sit down, I could play that in 10 minutes and then put it away. It's just like some cards and some dice. Yeah. So that's Yeah, that, that's playing. more like uh, the Lucky 7 that I got, which is... It's just like a single deck of cards, but it's like a little yeah. tactical war game. Yeah, I talked about that a while ago, which I guess right, also yeah. is another 
another solo board game, but it's almost a different thing, like solitaire games that are like just a deck of cards and solo board games. I always separate as different things in my mind. <laughs> That's right. But it's the same idea. It's something you play entirely by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it. solitaire has been a game for how long? This right, is new. Yeah. <laughs> so people have been playing solo board games forever. What are you talking about? It's called solitaire. Yeah. Did we already talk about uh, how I have stated that the first battle royale board game was monopoly <laughs> no i don't this, think so this is an That's opinion I see where I you're have. Going. yeah that <laughs> when that last new, one standing <laughs> yeah because that one battle royale board game came out and i was like wait a second monopoly is the first to do this <laughs> And also, then they made Fortnite Monopoly Battle Royale, Battle Royale. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, also, if you're going to play uh, a solo board game, let us know. Hashtag let me solo her. <laughs> Do people still it's remember a... that guy from Elden Ring? Oh, oh yeah. That guy. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a yeah. legend. I just couldn't think of a good follow up. I was, you're right. Because it's even Final Girl. You're soloing her. That, that's true. <laughs> oh, last thing I'll say. Uh, Doctor Strange is incredibly powerful in Marvel Champions. Like, he's... Uh, he, he might be, like, legitimately overpowered, broken. But just, like, two weeks ago, they released Psylocke uh, for Marvel Champions, and I got her deck. Mm-hmm. And she might be almost as broken, if not more broken, than Doctor Strange. I could not believe the first game I played with her. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Because she seems way too powerful. So, fun times for Marvel Champions. Normal Psylocke or Betsy Braddock Psylocke? It's Betsy Braddock. Okay. And her her obligation card is body swapped. Okay. So, they they play into that, yeah. They do bring that in. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She's not currently body sharing a body in the current yes. canon. She's back to being Captain Britain, right? Yes. And Psylocke is yes. now the other person. The non Betsy yeah. Braddock. I can't remember her name. Yeah. But yes, the original? Is... is she the original and she's not remembered? So that's sad. I can't remember who's the original, who's not. X Men is the most pretty sure, complicated yeah. thing. I'm pretty sure Betsy Braddock is the original. Okay. But she got body swapped and people liked that version of Psylocke mm, more. Yes. <laughs> that makes sense. So, too. yeah. So um, the original is not remembered. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm lost. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> people like the new look, but the original name, <laughs> which uh, is Betsy Braddock, who body swaps. And like that's when she becomes more of like the ninja like Psylocke right. after the body swap. And people like that look for her. But people remember the name Betsy Braddock better than the I can't I can't remember the other girl's name. Yeah. It's... Yeah, especially like X Force, like the the other X Men stuff, it gets really hard to follow really fast. <laughs> But the Psylocke deck 
in Marvel Champions. At least after my first playthrough, seems incredibly powerful and fun. Uh, okay. Should we get to the topic of the show now? Sorry, I'm just, I'm just reading. I'm on the wiki for X-Men about Psylocke, <laughs> and this first sentence is just a doozy about Sir James Braddock, a denizen of extra-dimensional other world, was sent by Merlin to Earth-616, the father of the champion who would be known as Captain Britain. And, yeah, it's a... Yep. No wonder I'm confused. <laughs> I love it. Comics are great that way. Yeah. Well, because is it Ben Braddock, who is Betsy Braddock's brother? Like, he's like the original Captain Britain? Yes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's a card in the Psylocke deck in Marvel Champions, mm. like the original Captain Britain. Brian, but now, Betsy. Ben? Brian? Brian? I don't remember now. Brian sounds right. There's a bunch yeah. of Braddocks that I can never. There's yeah. a Jamie. Whose one... subverted genes rendered him unfit to be the hero Merlin expected. Yes. So it's not Jamie. He's the he's the older and brother. And there's twins, Brian and Elizabeth. Yes, Brian is. Yeah, Elizabeth is Betsy. Yeah. Yeah, nicknamed Betsy. And yeah, so in the comics, she's now Captain Britain. Yes. After unbody swapping with unknown character. Yeah. Quanon. Yes, Quanon. Quanon? That, that is correct. But that might be her like real name. She might have a name that more people call her by. <laughs> but I really like the whole idea of Psylocke where she's like a physical ninja and a mental ninja. So she has like the Psy the Psy knife and then the like Psy katana. And so she's like attacking you physically and mentally. And they really play into that in her Marvel Champions deck. Um, you like constantly swapping between her weapons to do different things. Um, oh man! Yeah, so I really like the like power set they've given Psylocke. So it's like, uh, what does that remind me of? Oh, the shard blades in Stormlight Archive. Sure, no? sounds like. Those okay. would maybe overlap. I don't know enough to know. But... It says that the blade could disrupt the autonom autonomic autonomic why can't I say that? I know that's atomic? not right. Autonomic. <laughs> why can't I oh. say that word? It's one of those words that you read, but you don't ever say it out loud. But the nervous system of other living beings and cap I should stop reading right now. Incapacitating <laughs> them instantly. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a mental attack, even though she has like a, a blade you can see. Yeah. Mm. that's cool yeah okay okay sorry i'll stop the i'm officially moving us on to the topic of the show i i didn't say anything because i was afraid i would tangent <laughs> us into another dimension <laughs> literally the world case of comic <laughs> we already started in oh it is called the other world <laughs> yes other world yeah let's not talk about it Sorry, Morgana de la Fay, all the people. Do you have questions about Merlin, but we'll move on. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Topic of the Show. This is Chance Time. We're going to be talking about the big Xbox leak uh, and kind of using that as a jumping off point to talk about uh, state of the industry 
and 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 a different kind of leak. We already have a leaks episode that's more like marketing leaks, but this is more like internal workings leaks. Um and just kind of a broader discussion about the state of the gaming industry because a lot of interesting stuff came out. So let me preface this. If you don't know, uh, Microsoft has been trying to buy Activision Blizzard. It was a $69 billion acquisition. Absolutely enormous acquisition. So it was so big that the FTC got involved to see if this would create an illegal monopoly in the gaming industry. And it went to court, and lots of discussions, and lots of documents, and yada, yada, yada. One thing leads to another, and I'm pretty sure the truth is that a a Microsoft employee uploaded documents to some website so that people involved in the case could review them, but that website was public. And so gamers on the internet, being gamers on the internet, found them. And this is one of the biggest leaks of true internal documentations and discussions. Like, there's actual email threads and, you know, just all kinds of stuff in here about Microsoft's plans um, through the next several years, uh, speculation, ideas they've had, acquisitions that they are considering, uh, internal discussions on the state of the industry, all kinds of stuff leaked. Um, So we've kind of... We've been seeing headlines for a couple of weeks now as people dig through all this stuff and find the gems. And so we want to review with you some of these gems, but also kind of talk about the state of the video game industry through the lens of this massive leak. Um, so I want to start with the state of the industry, according to Phil Spencer who is the head of Xbox and is one of the more interesting celebrity figures in all of gaming, I think. Like, Xbox fans know him by name and really are loyal to him. And he speaks publicly, frequently. Um, There's not really a similar character on the PlayStation side. Like, you know some names on the PlayStation side, but there's not, like, a figurehead like Phil Spencer on the PlayStation side. No one is like that prominent of a leader. Um, So having internal emails from Phil Spencer is very impactful. Um, And so the first one I want... Yeah, I do want to say too that it's interesting because Phil Spencer always seemed to me like the guy who has less of a PR team. Like he'll just yeah. go on inter- any interview show, say whatever, and like yeah. he'll respond to what people are criticizing him about directly. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that he said less about these leaks when other right. times it seems like he's kind of jumped in more and been like, yeah, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing and how we feel. Yeah. The only real thing I've seen him say is like, it's sad to see all this stuff made public and a lot of it is no longer current. We'll tell you our plans when we're ready. Mm -hmm. So he tried to kind of dodge it and be like, don't believe all this stuff. It's not all going to happen. Which makes sense because I think a lot of this was from like 2020. Right. Obviously plans change in three years time. Yeah. But it's still really Especially because these plans really do go out to like 2030. You know, they're yeah. they're far, far reaching plans. So, of course, those are going to change. Uh, 
But okay, so first one I want to talk about. Uh, there's a email thread in this leak where Phil Spencer is trying to give like a state of the industry summary for other executives at Microsoft. Like this went literally to the CEO of Microsoft. So it's his like, here's where we're at and here's where we need to be to, to be competitive. And there's a long email um, from him trying to summarize all this. And basically he starts by saying for a long time, the AAA developers, the biggest companies, their defense in the market was that they had access to the distribution channels. So if you're a big publisher, you can be in Walmart, you can be in Target, you can be in Best Buy. You know, you have this privilege that no one else has. So like your games are going to reach a bigger audience because of that. But that has now effectively gone away because digital dominates. You know, physical is still a strong market, but but digital is just, you know, if a game is really good, it can succeed as a digital-only product. That was not true before. Um, and so indie games have broken through. And so he, he refers to it as that was the moat. Like That was like the defense before was the distribution channels. But that moat is gone. And so now I want to read a direct quote from here. Um... He said, over the past five to seven years, the AAA publishers have tried to use production scale as their new moat. Very few companies can afford to spend the $200 million in Activision or Take-Two spend to put a title like Call of Duty or Red Dead Redemption on the shelf. The AAA publishers have mostly used this production scale to keep their top franchises in the top-selling games each year. The issue these publishers have run into is these those same production scale cost approach hurts their ability to create new IP. The hurdle rate on new IP at these high production levels have led to risk aversion by, by big publishers on new IP. You've seen a rise of AAA publishers using rented IP to try to offset the risk. Star Wars with EA, Spider-Man with Sony, Avatar with Ubisoft, etc. The same dynamic has obviously played out in Hollywood as well with Netflix creating more new IP than any of the movie studios. Specifically, the AAA game publishers, starting from position of strength driven from physical retail, have failed to create any real platform effect for themselves. They effectively continue to build their scale through aggregated per-game P&Ls, hoping to maximize each new release of their existing IP. And then I'm going to skip ahead to the end where he says, most AAA publishers are riding the success of franchises created 10 plus years ago. Uh, so there's a lot of business speak in there, but overall, I think he hit the nail on the head here. <laughs> um, basically, what he's saying is the only thing that differentiates a AAA game from an indie game at this point is the AAA game has more budget, and so they're going all in on budget creating super expensive super massive games and and that's all they have to be different um but the problem is if you're going to spend that much money you can't take risks um so you keep making the same games essentially you keep making assassin's creed you keep making spider-man you keep making star wars games um and so yeah i guess 
there's a lot there. Where do you guys want to start? Do you think he's right? What stands out here to you? And other thoughts? I always hesitate to weigh in on this sort of stuff because I obviously don't have a degree in business and <laughs> I'm not the head of a billion dollar company. But anymore. Anymore, yeah. <laughs> After I've lost my <laughs> millions. <laughs> things changed a lot and I really realized I wasn't good at all this stuff. Um, <laughs> but no, I don't think he's right. <laughs> oh, okay. I I just don't feel like there's a lot to be gained of like like I think there needs to be innovations within the new things you're creating. And so like if you're just trying to make the bigger better version of what you had before like that only goes up to a certain point. And like it's interesting because like one of Xbox's most successful endeavors was uh Xbox Live Arcade. What was that called? Was it just Xbox Live? I think that Live Arcade, I think. Yeah. It was Live Arcade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where they really like focused on any indie games. And that's like a, a period of gaming that people like really love. And that was like the first foray into like hey, you can buy just a bunch of smaller titles right here within the Xbox ecosystem. You don't have to go over to Walmart to get stuff. And Yeah. Like that was... Well, like... And I think... Oh, God. Unless you needed more Microsoft points and you didn't want to... <laughs> <laughs> so you had to go buy the gift card or whatever. Yeah. You can do it I online think he too. Is, he is saying not that this is the right play, but this is the problem. I think that's... Oh, okay. In the context of the email, he's saying yeah. more like, this can't go on forever. It's oh, okay. not going to work. Yeah. Then I totally uh, misread that. And I'm a fool. So. But I think at the same right, time, I don't, I, don't I don't see a good solution in the short term. <laughs> like how to get around that. Yeah. And it, it, it does kind of coincide with their plans. Like they do seem to be like, setting up things for the future but mm -hmm. we don't really see the fruits of that and yeah but i think starfield is a perfect example of exactly the kind of game he's talking about except the only difference is it's a new ip technically but like I, well, we need a term for like new ip that are so obviously not like starfield <laughs> and elden ring like Elden Ring is a Souls game. Like that's a huge part of why it's successful, even though technically it's a new IP. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Starfield's the same way. It's a Bethesda RPG. Like you can be proud of yourself that you launched a new IP, but you're leaning a lot on existing goodwill. Yeah. And mechanics and game design. Yeah. Too. When it when it comes down to it, it is a Bethesda game. Which yeah. is the IP that it's banking off which, of. Exactly. Yeah. You can say that for PlayStation too, because like their new IPs oh, yeah. in the past few years are like Horizon, 
but it's yeah. a, a big open world game, which is very popular. And then Ghost yeah. of Tsushima is the only one I can think of. And that's also a big open world game, you know? I mean, they're Spider-Man. Sony games in yeah. the same way. Yeah. 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 In the same way. Yeah. Sony has game. a flavor. Yeah. yeah. It's either that or like their Uncharted or Last of Us style, like yeah. more linear, cinematic, story heavy games. Yeah. God of War. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting though, because if this this is supposedly from like 2020, right? Mm-hmm. This email. Um, I do feel like there has been a pivot. I feel like it's a really slow pivot, but towards embracing smaller projects too. Mm-hmm. Like we've recently had Xbox. It's honestly a decent example of this with um, um, Hi-Fi Rush just this year. It was a smaller game yeah. <clears throat> that they true. published. Um, and and the a new one, IP, like a real new and IP. And a new IP too, yeah. But like it's small enough that they can take a risk on it and it's if it doesn't work out you know they didn't put invest millions and millions of dollars like they did into starfield um what's the other one i'm thinking of pentiment is that what it is i think that's what it's called which i think oh, is yeah from the, the people the oblivion yeah, thing oh yeah. yeah oh yeah i pulled this up earlier yeah so i mean pentiment is there grounded was another one cuphead. um cuphead was Earlier one they did 2020 but still yeah um, I would say Psychonauts 2. That's still a $60 game, but it's there. Age of Empires 4 isn't as big of a deal as like Halo, right? But so, I mean, I feel like they're doing it to an extent. Um, but a lot of these examples are from like 2020 ish on. Um, mm-hmm. the only other one I can think of that was a bigger deal was like Ori and the Blind Forest. That was 2016, it looks like. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like there is a pivot and I think Xbox is pivoting faster. I can't really think of any PlayStation published games that are smaller in scale like this. Excuse me. Um, they've, I think they've tried like concrete genie, but yeah, yeah that's true. There's been a few. I don't think they've had as much of a splash as Xboxes. Yeah. For whatever reason, but, and a lot of these smaller games though are from studios that they bought up that you know, or like uh, Obsidian and stuff, I think did Pentiment, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. Did they do Grounded too? I can't remember. Seems like Yeah, that was, really I was Obsidian as well. Yeah. yeah. So, which is cool to see. Um, and I think, you know, having an online storefront, you know, I think they don't have to worry about having to do the brick and mortar thing of getting enough marketing and stuff physical marketing and all that kind of thing to make sure that they make enough sales and all that kind of stuff and then they also have xbox games pass which i think helps um soften the blow of any risks risks that don't work out for them um yeah and and i think sony isn't doing that as much but i think i don't know i just think that's interesting to look at it that way I think this email that we're reading from was kind of connected to his explanation of why Game Pass was part of their future. Mm, that makes like, sense. It lets them bring in big revenue, but support a huge range of size, right? Like yeah. A tiny indie game might get someone to subscribe to Game Pass the same as Starfield, you know? Um, so it, it lets them it worry less. more. Honestly, yeah. at least for me personally, I've got, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to resubscribe to my PlayStation Plus subscription just because I don't use it nearly enough because it's like, yeah, I do want to try these games, but they're like, 
uh, Returnal and Demon's Souls, right. which are big games, and it's not like something you just pick up like, oh, that's interesting, you know. And then, right. like, I want to play all those, but at this rate, you know, that the rate I get through those kinds of big games, uh, financially, it just makes more sense to not do the subscription and then just buy those games outright, <laughs> and then I just have them, you know, to play when I get to them. Whereas right. Games Pass has a lot of smaller, interesting indies in my mind. I don't know. I yeah, guess well, and PlayStation does as well, but I don't yeah, know. For some I, reason, they haven't had the, that makes sense. Yeah, they haven't had the same effect for sure. But yeah. maybe it's just they don't promote it as much. I don't know. I don't know what the yeah. difference is. It's just it hasn't been around as long. It doesn't have its feet under it as well. Yeah, because I mean, Sea of Stars launched on PlayStation Plus. Yeah. But it Which also launched on Game Pass. Yeah. Well, there's um, that one that you meet your maker. Is that the one that you tried out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, that humanity one was yeah. on there too. Yeah. Which they're I downloaded and it ever tried, but yeah. So they're getting yeah. there. Okay, but now that we're into Game Pass, I want to get into the the next significant leak here. Oh, can I just say one more thing? I think is interesting yeah. about this publisher thing. Um, so I do think that the triple A, cause this is emails very much about triple A publishers. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're just starting to take note. I don't know if they really are pivoting or, to the smaller scale games, um, like Xbox might be doing, I don't know. It's, I agree with Ryan. I don't feel like I have a business degree to like <laughs> to make official or authoritative comments on this, but there's small like indie indie size i guess um publishers as well the two i think of right off the bat Devolver and annapurna annapurna yeah which to me when i see an indie game i'm like oh that looks interesting and then i see devolvers publishing it i just know that they have a good knack of picking out games that they want to publish that i personally enjoy <clears throat> and so that makes me excited same thing with annapurna they have a lot of great indie games that they've published under their belt. So when they announce, oh, we're going to publish this game, like I feel like if you're an indie studio and you get to partner with one of those two publishers, that's probably, I imagine, is a pretty big deal because they already have mm-hmm. a good you know, name out there. So if oh, yeah. they're publishing your game, that means they have, I assume that's how that works, is that they have good faith in your game that it's going to be, it's, oh, yeah. it's a good one and people are going to want to play it. And they're going to help you get your name out there, and they're going to benefit from that as well, obviously. I mean, they're uh, yeah. they're true publishers, where it's like yeah. they're going out, they're finding projects, and then they're publicizing them. You know, they're just helping market it, and then taking their cut. Whereas, like AAA publishers aren't really publishers; they're studios, right? Like, yeah, Activision most of the time is publishing Activision products. I mean. Technically, they did publish Sekiro, which is not, you know, it's from software, mm-hmm. and they published it. So that was like a true publishing deal. But most of the time, Activision, Ubisoft, the ones we think of publishers aren't publishers, they're studios. Whereas Devolver and Annapurna are true publishers. And I think you're, you're right. Like, it's, it can be life-changing for the studios that, that get their attention because they have the reputation, they have the Oh. Another freeze within the podcast. So we're all left just listening to me 
meander. Um, but hopefully they get back soon because I don't have much to say. So yeah, really interesting. Uh, you guys froze for a while, and we just heard you say, "But yeah, really interesting, Paul." Oh, they're frozen again. Always a great episode when the internet's not really uh, doing its thing. I turn off my camera. Maybe that will help things. Oh, Discord's going. Game pass. You're back. Uh, You've been gone for a while. Uh, uh -oh. I'm surprised that you're still talking, but yeah, it's been. Uh, I haven't heard much. <laughs> oh, they are frozen again. This is a very bad technical difficulty. Oh, and now I see you again. Will you guys turn oh, off your cameras? Uh, I, I think it's all my fault, but turning off the camera seems to to help. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes, you're back. Sorry, I don't know what we missed. Are you back? Oh no. Is he gone again? Okay, I hear you now, but it, coming things, in are, and out. things are not going well. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, oh, that's good. Yes, I I think we're good now. Can you guys not hear me? I can hear you. Game, game yeah, pass. I can hear you. Guys we, yeah. Okay. Okay. Game pass. Game pass. Baldur's Gate three. Game pass. Baldur's Gate three. Did you hear that? Yes, I heard all three of them. <laughs> uh, so basically, the story is that. There's internal documentation about Microsoft's thoughts on what games they should bring to Game Pass. Um, and most of the outlets, the news websites, looked specifically at Baldur's Gate 3, which is one of the biggest hits of the year. Um, there was one weekend where Baldur's Gate 3 alone was like 23% of all game time played on Steam, which is just bonkers. Yeah. Um, anyway, in these documents, it's revealed that Microsoft labeled Baldur's Gate 3 as a, quote, second-run Stadia PC RPG, and they expected to need to pay $5 million to put it on Game Pass. Whereas, for comparison... For Lego Star Wars, they expected to pay $35 million. And for... Um, let me find another one. For... Uh, let me find a good one here. For Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Suicide Squad, they expected $250 million or more. 
For yeah. Jedi Survivor, they expected 300 million or more. For Mortal Kombat 1, 250 million. So Baldur's Gate, 5 million. <laughs> so they, they really um, didn't think it would be that big a deal. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of people have now taken this to be like, why did Microsoft misjudge it? And then most people jump straight to, well, everyone misjudged it. No one expected Baldur's Gate 3 to be this much of a hit. So I guess my questions around this one are why did it seem like it wouldn't be a hit and why is it such a hit? Like, what does that tell us about the current state of the game industry? Uh, any thoughts there? Well, I guess first, how do you... Well, go for it. Just go. Dive in, Curtis. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting because I was double-checking. I remember something about Baldur's Gate 3 and Stadia. So it was in mm-hmm. early access on Google Stadia before it got yeah. shut down. Yes. So and I Google think Stadia that's why did promote I was it. saying a second run Stadia RPG um, because it was coming on Stadia. I don't know if that meant, I can't tell by this article. Um, I wonder if it was going to, did it come to early access on Stadia before theme? I wonder, I don't know. I can't tell. So I wonder if that's why. Um, but anyway, so I don't know. I feel like people, the Stadia second run or whatever, meaning that they really, really, really like <laughs> underestimated it, like saying it's only worthy mm-hmm. of Stadia and nothing else. But I, I think that was like an actual like business deal going on. Um, right. But I can't, I can't tell for sure. But it is funny. I think it was the game's director, like, quote, retweeted that or whatever. And I was like, yeah, we didn't expect it to mean like right. go as well as it did either. Like we also like didn't know exactly what to expect, which I think is interesting. Um, but as for what it means of like the current gaming landscape, I'm not entirely sure. I know a lot of people are pointing out the fact that like this is a you know a full fledged AAA um finished product with no microtransactions and respects your money and all that kind of oh, stuff interesting yeah sure is true um i don't think that's necessarily the case though because i think the people that are playing all the live service games and spending money on skins and everything aren't the same demographic that's that are playing Baldur's Gate 3 you know i don't think that's a one to one comparison so yeah I don't know exactly. I think it's just a really well-made, polished game from what the, from what I hear about it, with a lot of interesting things going on, and yeah. it's very innovative, and also carries the D and D license, <laughs> which I think helps too. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because, like, on the one hand, this is just like the games we were talking about before. You know, it's carrying an IP that has weight. You know. <laughs> yeah. So that, that also, Larian Studios isn't like just some random little no, developer, yeah. right? Like, I know the what's it called, Divinity? Is that what it was? Divinity Original I, Sin. Yeah, yeah. It had two of those games, and from what I understand, they're very well received too. So, same kind of thing where you know this is going to be a Bethesda game. It's Starfield, but it's Bethesda. All the people that played Divinity Original Sin was like, oh, Larian is going to make Balder, the next Baldur's Gate. That's huge. Like, that's a perfect match, all that kind of stuff, which I think mm-hmm. helped hype it up more, too. But then that goes back to the question of why did Microsoft not see all that? Why did they think 
it would only take five million bucks and and it's prioritized as a medium only yeah like I think why honestly not... it's just because it's a, a niche genre the computer rpg is yeah more niche okay. than like the broader rpgs like your starfields and horizon right. forbidden west and stuff you know like it's very from what i understand and that's why i'm I've always been kind of hesitant to try it out is because I'm scared of what I expect is a steep learning curve of how the game works, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> whereas the other big RPG games that are, you know, go for a wider audience are easier to get into, I think. So maybe that's why. I mean, I, I think that genre, that type of RPG, which, you know, people call the computer RPG is a very, is pretty niche Do you think think that there is also something to be said about how little the game was marketed? Like, I I didn't really hear anything about it until basically the day it came out, except for people who are like, oh, I love Baldur's Gate. I'll get the next one. Yeah. Right. So, like, yeah. And the people, the other people I heard about saying that were the same thing that they played Divinity Original Sin 2 and like, oh, that was a great game. I'm excited that they're making Baldur's Gate. Yeah, and so I wonder if Larian is just like, hey, people know that we do good games. We don't really have to put much effort into the marketing as much as the game. Or they just didn't have the budget. That's also true. Yeah, maybe. But I I wonder if that affects companies as as well. Kind of like, oh, no one's really talking about Baldur's Gate right now, but they're all talking about GTA 6. Even though that, who knows when that's going to come come out? And I mean, yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah. This is an interesting one to me. Um, I think the other thing that Baldur's Gate Three did is it kind of breaks free of just being like a computer RPG. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of moments about it that feel more like the mainstream RPGs like the Mass Effects and Dragon Ages and Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls. And so it, it bridged that gap enough that it hit a mainstream audience, uh, more so even than Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot that, that Microsoft just didn't see about what this game really was, and then all of these pieces coming together. Um but you know this is not a game that was made with unlimited budget you know so i think this is kind of counter to what phil spencer was saying is there is a way to make a triple a feeling product without the endless budgets you know um it is kind of an exception to what he was saying it is an established ip but it's not i don't i don't think this game costs 200 million dollars to make i i don't know but I don't think so. I don't think it's as big a team as yeah. Call of Duty or whatever. Um, they did a lot of like voice recording or uh, voice acting and all that kind of stuff too. So I can't imagine it was a small budget either. No, yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, so I was saying it still it's feels triple A. Make it big, yeah. yeah. But it's not. You know, this it's it's not really. An, I guess are they, I guess technically they are an indie studio, right? No one owns them. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, so they're they're 
kind of an interesting mix of the trends right now. I also think Baldur's Gate 3 had the advantage of coming out at the perfect time. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Nothing else was really coming out. And, like, there's always a million things coming out, but, like... But it thread the needle just right. Yeah, exactly. Which is smart on there, because I'm pretty sure they upped the release date, didn't they? Yeah. The PC one, at least. I think the PC one came out, and they... I think they upped that release date and left the PS5 one where it was. Yeah. So they, they were after Zelda enough, but before... Starfield and Spider-Man and everything else enough that yeah it just it just kind of landed yeah I think that that's also really helped them okay well great uh, the next one I want to talk about um, I don't know how long we want to spend on this one because it's pretty ridiculous <laughs> but there there are emails talking about how Xbox at different times has at least cursorily um, discussed basically what if we bought Nintendo, Valve, Warner Brothers Interactive, um, and ZeniMax, which they did end up buying. That's who owns Bethesda. Um, But there's been a lot of big headlines about Microsoft wants to buy Nintendo. Um, that's the one that most people have talked about the most is Nintendo specifically. Yeah. Um, this one I think is getting more attention than it needs. It's just not going to happen. Like Nintendo wouldn't sell. It doesn't matter how much money they throw on the table. And I I think think Valve is, is true too. They're just, they're not going to sell to Microsoft. They don't care. That's my opinion though. What do you think, Ryan? I think that the reason this is getting big headlines is because of what he says afterwards of, I forget the exact phrasing, but he says like getting Nintendo would be a big career win for me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something something like that. Like it would be like a career moment. Yeah. Yeah. Career moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I think it's, it's especially funny too, to think about someone imagining about this in 2020 after right. Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing. New Horizons yeah. has broken the the margins on game sales and like the Switch is mm-hmm. at its peak, like and to this like would have made sense in like 2015. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I just yeah, feel and... like following it up with that sentence, it would be a career moment for me. Is just kind of like, all right, there's clearly something a little more here. Yeah. Than him just like speculating. What if we bought Nintendo? Yeah, it feels very CEO. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. He's the CEO or whatever. But I'm gonna make big moves. Yeah. That's definitely it. It's about my career. It's gonna be a big move. All that kind of stuff. Which yeah. Oh, and it does. He he does say like they're probably sitting on a pile of cash somewhere in the email. He says that. And it's like, so now is not the right time. But he also says like Microsoft leadership is open to these discussions. If it ever is a good time, I think is another thing he says in there, which is like, okay, sure. And I mean, then they did go try to buy Activision Blizzard. So, I mean, they, their money is where their mouth is on this one. They're, they're ready for big acquisitions. Um, 
Yeah, but I don't know if there's much else to say on that. It's interesting that they really do talk about the biggest of the possible acquisitions. You know, it seems like there's they're going up and down the chain. You know, they're buying double fine, but they're also considering Valve and Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, that's <sighs> wild. Yeah. That's such a weird one too, because Nintendo's not just a developer, you know, like they're making consoles, like they're a hardware yeah. one too. Like yeah. <laughs> that one for big. sure. It's not like Sega where they're out of the console business or something. Right. You know? and yeah, I think that that one for sure would be like an antitrust, like no way. Yeah, I can't imagine that would ever actually <laughs> yeah. go through if both parties agreed and everything. I don't think the FTC would allow that because of the console thing. Yeah. Unless like they allowed Nintendo to keep making their own consoles, but that wouldn't. That the money would sense. still go to Microsoft. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's what I was going to ask is, imagine if they did, would it be a situation where they were like, all right, we just own you, but you keep doing your own thing? Or would it be a situation where they're like, Mario only comes out on the Xbox now? Yeah, no way. <laughs> At least... I don't have a business degree either, but <laughs> I don't I don't think there's any chance on this yeah. planet that you would give up the brand of Nintendo. Uh-huh. Like that is one of the strongest brands on the planet. You don't just wipe that away, you know, you'd probably still let them operate as Nintendo. Yeah. But Microsoft Especially is nowadays. Goofy. Yeah, Microsoft is goofy. They might have them do like the Microsoft Nintendo Switch to something stupid like that, you know. Yeah. The only time I could ever see that the whole Mario's on Xbox, you don't make consoles anymore thing is like this had happened during like the Wii U games or Wii U times. Mm, Where it's like, look, your Wii U is not doing hot. Yeah. 3DS is good. So maybe they're like, hey, you do handhelds. We'll do the home consoles. I don't know. Yeah. It is a weird situation though. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I I don't see it happening, but it is interesting to see that it was. It was actually talked about. We have evidence that they actually, you know, it came up. Yeah. <laughs> not very seriously, but it came yeah. up. And it's not the first time, though. I think it was like when they first started, like in 2001 or something. Have you guys heard yeah. that story where they tried yes. to, they, they offered got to laughed buy Nintendo out of the room. They, yeah. yeah, they got laughed out of the conference room or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're missing out on uh, Mario versus Master Chief in the Olympic Games. So. <laughs> <laughs> just saying like they just did saying. say they want what is it what do you say numerous conversations about a tighter collaboration so maybe maybe master chief will show up in the next smash game too <laughs> we'll see but i mean they did do the what was the agreement how many years of call of duty on nintendo consoles yeah it's 10 like years yeah which i guess it's... is a collaboration with nintendo but also Look, we're going to put it on Nintendo consoles, too. We're not a Monopoly yeah. <laughs> type thing for that when they got sued or whatever. Yeah, because um, that's I mean, that's where people want to play Call of Duty is on the Nintendo Switch. That's right, yeah. The bigger one, but also the one that makes more sense is Banjo and Minecraft Steve and Smash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they they do seem to have better relations than in the past. That is true. But I yeah. think the acquisition is pure speculation. There's no chance at this point. I don't like uh, okay. the thought, though, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It, Just talking about, I mean. you know, 
capitalism Even running it, rampant or whatever, yeah. or is the CEO's going to CEO and just buy whatever they possibly can in the attempt, in the chase for more money like that. I really would. I mean, the Activision Blizzard thing is already pretty sketchy in the terms of how right. is it really going to benefit the gaming industry? Like, it's easy to say no, but like them buying yeah. Nintendo, no way that would ben- that wouldn't benefit right. anyone but Microsoft, real, real honestly. Yeah, and that unless that Nintendo was to... about to somehow shut their doors and go bankrupt, but yeah, no way. At this point, there's no way that's going to happen. Um. Sorry, one thing you said, the rest that I have on the list are just like quick hits and talking about the whole Call of Duty deal and stuff. What's really funny to me about all that is in these leaks, they also said Elder Scrolls 6 isn't coming until at least 2026 at the earliest, which means it'll be a late 2027 release. And before it gets delayed again. Yeah. And it's not coming to PlayStation. So they're already, you know, they buy something and they pretty quickly make it exclusive. Like there were, I can't remember what the promises were, but there was a lot of talk that Bethesda games would still come to PlayStation. And that's already, they're going back on that. So... I think 10-year agreement or not, they would follow that to the letter and then immediately Call of Duty would be gone. Like, they, I do not think they they plan, like they say, to long-term keep everything, you know, on every platform. Like, they want exclusivity. Uh, at least that's what they've shown with Bethesda. They've pretty quickly taken things back. Um so I think I think it would be similar with Activision Blizzard. It would be harder because they would have these agreements in place, but I think they'd get out of it as soon as they could. Um, yeah. Other quick hits, other things that they said. Um, I can't find the article on it, but Phil Spencer said something interesting about like, "Hey, our release slate for 2021." isn't very strong and that's our fault for not planning better i I just thought that was interesting that he like really did take that on um because a lot of people talked about where are the xbox exclusives and basically it seems like he was saying the same thing um and then things that i don't find as exciting but i think a lot of headlines were around they plan on a mid-generation update to the the series x and s I don't think anyone's surprised by that. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I think the interesting tidbit from that is the, I think it's supposed to be all digital or something like that. Yeah, there is like an all digital one. Yeah. And then there's this big plans for this controller. That's like a direct to cloud connection, which people have tried before, but their idea was like, it's an Xbox controller and it's a cloud controller. So it's like, this is the thing that you bring with you and you play your Xbox games anywhere on any screen with this controller. I don't think we're there yet, but that probably will be a thing at some point in the future, but that's how we play games. It's more about the controller connecting to a screen than it is about any specific hardware. Um, Also new haptics, I believe. Yes. And, and lift to wake. So you don't even press a button. You just pick it up 
and it I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> that seems a little too convenient. Yeah. I'm just gonna pick it up to put it away. Oh, it turned Oh, and it's up. like you like bump the table and everything turns on, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Assuming that would be they would make that optional. I also yeah. wanna say that the picture that people have of it is ugly. And I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. I mean it's got like the legs, not even legs, but like the handles, I guess, are like black, but everything else of it is white. They're like different color, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, like, like they got dipped into chocolate. chocolate or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. What about the controller recognizes your skin and then it turns on? Oh. It, it, it recognizes like... your skin and sees that your eyes are looking at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> This controller battery life is 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes. And has real privacy issues. <laughs> no, no, no. It's powered by your heartbeat. Oh, so it's like a Fitbit? No. Your heart is the battery and it depletes. Your heart is the battery. Oh, it's sucking your life force. Yeah, it depletes there's the light like... out of your heart. <laughs> no, I like, there's like metal pads on it. So it's like charging from. <laughs> your bioelectricity <laughs> as long as you hold it right <laughs> these are all free ideas Microsoft Phil Spencer I know you're listening take these and run with them John notes as we speak <laughs> uh, I understand and then I why think... Mike Struckerberg told me to listen to this <laughs> <laughs> oh Mike Struckerberg and Phil Spencer are very good friends that is canon that is truth uh, sorry, the, sorry. The last thing I want to mention, and then we can talk about whatever, um, is these documents reveal that their goal for the next console generation is 2028. Um, so that would be whatever Xbox calls theirs and the PlayStation Six. That is the that was the plan whenever these documents were created, which is likely back in 2020. Who knows if that's still true? Um, I'm trying to remember when did series X and PlayStation five come out? Was it 2019? 2020? Uh, I think it was 2020 the fall of 2020. 2021. Okay. So 2028. No, was 2020, it. right? That sounds right. I know it was during COVID. That's why I, yeah, if it's 2020 or 2021. But yeah, that's so that would put it seven, eight years for a generation. I mean, that's kind of what you expect at this point. So I don't know if if that's really a revelation of any kind, but I guess it is interesting to see it in print. Um, so yeah, uh, those are all like the major things that I wanted to bring up. Are there any other things you guys have seen from all these leaks that you think are especially interesting to discuss? There was one, I don't know, I can't find it anymore. There was at one point, though, a list of, like, their planned games from oh, yeah. 2020. I remember seeing there was a, Hi-Fi Rush was on there, but it was going under a different name at that point, like a project name or whatever. I don't know what happened to that list. It wasn't, like, super interesting, but I think there's a new Doom game on there. I think there's a new Dishonored game on there. A few things that were interesting that hadn't really been revealed at all. Yeah. And there was like a remaster of Elder Scrolls. Oh, 4. that's what the big one. Yeah. 
fifth and the fifth one. No, the fifth one, the fourth one. Oblivion, right? Mm-hmm. And Fallout 3? Was that a thing too? Maybe? I can't remember. Yeah, I think there was some kind of Fallout remake too. Yeah. Because I remember everyone just saying like, hey, Bethesda, why don't you make Elder Scrolls 6 instead of remaking old games? That was like the, the common comment I kept seeing. Yeah. Gotta make some money to fund the next Elder Scrolls, though. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is a normal practice, I feel like. <laughs> Mario yeah. Kart is really doing a great job funding all kinds of stuff for Nintendo. <laughs> but yeah, Nintendo. I'm pretty sure Nintendo has more money than they like. literally know what to do with. Like, yeah, they kind of keep themselves at the same level, no matter how much money they make. Yeah, it really says something when they give sales numbers and it's only for the physical sales. And they don't right. even release the digital sales. Which right. is wild, because yeah. that definitely has to be more, right? Yeah. Well, it, I don't know. Like, it, it's at least got to be as much but yeah it has to be more I, I don't really know what it would be but yeah I mean Nintendo I think is closer to physical digital parity than other platforms yeah but still the, the digital sales have to be crazy like yeah Well, do we okay. do we want to talk about other industry news, or do we want to just keep it at Xbox leaks for this episode? Let me just keep it here. I mean, there is other interesting things. A lot of crappy layoffs. Oh, Nintendo yeah. shutting down the Wii U and 3DS like completely. There's no more online stuff soon. Finally. Yeah. I- I, I just wanted to I'm trying, I was, I'm just rip. trying to think what what the other big ones are that I, um they're not coming to me right now. Yeah, it's just all the layoffs. And like yeah. I, yeah. I think it's all the layoffs and the fact that there's like a million games of service coming out that continually fail over and over again, even if they're successful. People are just not getting the money they're hoping from that like sort of genre and other there's one today yeah. even where they announced that they were shutting down and they were like a pretty successful game but i can't remember what it was hmm. but it, it's interesting because on one side of things like video games are doing great right now because there's mm-hmm. so many games coming out Lots of people are making money. But then on the other side of things, like companies made big gambles to uh, kind of increase the company sales and they gambled a bit too much and now employees are suffering because of it. Yeah. Mm. I think it's interesting, though, that the, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't have a 
degree in business and economics and all that stuff too. But it is interesting that the higher executives don't just take a pay cut so they can keep the employees that they need to make games to make money. Not how it works. Nintendo did it. Uh, yeah, it was okay. Nintendo did that when the Wii U is just really struggling. The executives, yeah. the uh, Iwata, yeah. took a pay cut so they could keep going. Right. So it's really interesting to me that that's not what. Yeah, that's just. I don't like, know if that's a Western yeah. and like that's Japan, that's what they do right. and like, things work, or in the, here in the Western, they're like, no. That's what I was going to say. You're, just not, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to discuss reducing executive pay in America. Yeah. It's like a, it's never the answer. Whether it's fast food workers or or you know strikes, you know yeah. the writer strike, the actor strike, like that's never on the table. That executives get paid less. It's super weird to me. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, the game I was thinking of, the developer that shut down was Boomerang X. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Game, yeah. Yeah, that's like, yeah, it was successful, but not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be totally honest, that makes a little more sense to me. Just how we're talking, because like that's a studio that was kind of an indie studio and everything, yeah, kind of writing and, sure. or die. It's like ride or die on this indie game that they made, right? Yeah. Whereas the one, the recent one that a lot of people are talking about is Naughty Dog laying off people after you know, all the last of us stuff that's been going yeah, so well right. for them, the games and then also the TV show and all that stuff. But, and they talk a lot about, I saw articles talking about how they, you know, they're struggling to get this multiplayer, the fact fractions, fractions, factions. Yeah. Last <laughs> factions. of us fractions. Frog factions. Last of us game. Um, they're struggling to get that off the ground. And I heard how they bought Bungie and Bungie came in to see how they're doing. And they're like, this is getting out of hand. Like we know how to get a live service running. Cause we've been running destiny forever or whatever. This isn't going well. I don't know if it's, I think the term was it's on ice now. Um, and so maybe yeah. that's why is because they've been putting too much money into this uh, fractions. Uh, their money's getting fractioned. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> And that's why they're having to do layoffs. I don't know if that's truly the case. Who knows? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, but that sucks because, yeah, that's a huge studio. Like, that's one of the big successful brands that is just makes incredible games by the like everyone. No wrong type of studio. Right? Yeah. And they're, and they're doing layoffs. And Epic Games is the other huge one that. Yeah, has that's laid the off other 10% one. percent of their employees. That's bizarre. Uh, sorry, I was going to say, no matter what those Naughty Dog layoffs are for, it's not good news for Last of Us Factions. Like, there's there's no other way to interpret that. They, they, they don't have 100% confidence in that game. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, a lot of the layoffs at Epic were specifically, uh, what is it called? I can't remember the name of the studio for Fall Guys, but a lot of it was the Fall Guys studio. Media something? Media Tonic. Media yeah. Tonic. Yeah. I 
I read that that's where a lot of the layoffs were, and that does make a little more sense. That game is not doing as well. Um, yeah. It's no Fortnite, but it's no Fortnite. It's not even a Rocket League. It ha- didn't have the same staying power. Um, but still, garbage. Like there were ways to keep those people a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, like, of course, no one at Chance Time has an economics degree or business degree. But right. Epic Games makes so much money. Oh yeah. How do how can they not afford to keep people? Yeah. Or just move people around. Like if yeah. Fall Guys isn't doing well fine if you don't want to double down on it put those people on the Fortnite team and give the Fortnite people a break you know yeah yeah like uh, yeah it's... I just imagine like the fall guys guy moving to the Fortnite team and then all the all the characters move like beans after that this is all they, i want to avoid Cross contamination. <laughs> Just you get shot in Fortnite, like what? <laughs> sound effects they make. Or they they double down on Fall Guys and they bring Fortnite guns into Fall Guys. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're bouncing around and you're shooting machine guns. Yeah, that would be funny. Is like every month they made one incremental change. So that in the next five years, Fortnite or Fall Guys is just Fortnite. It's just Fortnite. And then eventually it just deletes itself from your machine and <laughs> says install Fortnite. <laughs> uh, one thought I have is are like do we get all these layoff stories around the same time every year? Like, is it like a, we need to look profitable at year end or fiscal year end or end of the quarter or whatever. So we're going to lay off a bunch of people and say, these are our expenses. And it's, you know, way less than it was a week ago. Do we always get layoff news September, October? I can't remember. But yeah, I, I wonder know. if that's part of it too. If it's it just be. the cruelty of of how business accounting is done. I don't um, know though, because I feel like it has been these past couple years that there's been more like tech layoff news. Yeah, not yeah. just gaming, but yeah. that's tech true. all around. And before that, I, I at least wasn't plugged into anything that told me there was this so right Um, yeah it has been a hard time for tech in general there's not as much free-flowing investor money and so if you are floating on investor money hoping for long-term success a lot of it is going away and you have to figure out how to get more short-term success and that usually starts with all right we can't pay these people but I mean, I guess that's not really what's happening with Epic Games, like we just said. I don't know. Yeah. If someone has a business degree listening and has some thoughts, let us know. 
Yeah, hashtag big blanket yeah. if you've got a business degree and have some thoughts. <laughs> I will just say, though, that I am hoping, I feel a little hopeful that Xbox and PlayStation, you know, these bigger publishers are seeing the, the what's the word? The opportunity in smaller budget, smaller scale games. Mm-hmm. Another one that we didn't mention is Ubisoft, and they're doing that little smaller Prince of Persia game too. That's a Metroidvania. Like yeah. I think they're those ideas are starting to float around a lot more. It feels like, and they're not. I mean, you know, getting a wider portfolio. Just to me, again, no business degree, but it makes sense to me in a business sense, right? That you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You don't want to just live or die by. Or Call of Duty, which I mean, it's huge, but is it going to be huge forever? It's been huge for a really long time, but I don't know. FIFA doesn't even exist anymore. That's true. The football club, whatever it's called F- now, FC. Yeah, but, but yeah. even Assassin's Creed Mirage is an experiment. In a yeah, that too. Yeah. Scale. yeah, yeah. So and, I'm and hopeful Ubisoft, that's going that direction. Ubisoft actually has an interesting legacy of smaller experiments, like Child of Light and Valiant Hearts. And yeah, um, the, they did those smaller Assassin's Creed with yeah, the, the Chronicles. Yeah, that's what they were. I was trying to remember that name. Yeah, Assassin's Creed Chronicles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of games to play, there are some big AAA games. I think they have their place in being big and shiny and pretty and just, you know spectacle all that kind of stuff like i'm still really enjoying final fantasy 16 um for the record right but there's also so many smaller indie studios that are doing really creative and interesting things and we got cool publishers like devolver and annapurna i'm finding those cool indie games and getting them to the front so people know about them Um, i feel like they're doing good work in that sense so there's a lot you know there's a lot of positive stuff going on in the gaming industry it's not totally just doom and gloom at this point yeah for sure and i mean this is an industry that is still relatively young so it's gonna change a lot and a lot faster than the industries than other industries i guess especially Um, considering when it started too yeah it started traditional but very quickly ended up in this internet space where people can download their games and stuff. They don't have right. to do the brick and mortar stuff. Like that's a huge pivot for an industry at that point was what, like 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now like AAA games are on iPhone. Like, yeah, I think it's going to keep, it's going to keep natively on iPhone. Yeah. yeah not streaming. That's pretty quite crazy. Yeah. It's so I think it's, it's, gonna keep bouncing around and and unfortunately more people than necessary you know are are getting hurt in the process with these layoffs that you know as we've said aren't really necessary but it's business leaders trying to react and and squeeze as much profit as possible um and that's gonna keep happening and i i don't know when or how the games industry kind of slows down and steadies. Uh, I, I don't know if it, that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be yeah, like. I don't know. Maybe it's when I our generation dies out. 
I mean, and movies, then, has the movie industry ever slowed down like that, though? I think so. I feel like it's gotten faster, if anything, with all the streaming and stuff and the race to get more, quote-unquote, content for your streaming service. Gotta have that content. In terms of that, yes. I think in terms of what's being made, I don't know if there's any huge leap forwards. Oh, well, in that sense, they, yeah, not as much. And they can certainly keep a schedule much better than games in mm, terms of production true. schedules. <laughs> like, uh, you don't really hear of a movie getting delayed because they couldn't finish it. If it does get delayed, it's because, oh, we we need to change something. It's not that it wasn't done. It's that they didn't like what was done, you know? Yeah, doing reshoots and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're at a pretty good stopping point in general. Um, please let us know, listeners, what you think of recent industry news. And um, are you wearing a blanket on your head? Uh, things like that. Let us know. <laughs> uh, a blanket squad. Blanket head squad. Hashtag big blanket. Hashtag big blanket. Uh yeah, I think I think we should wrap this up. What do you guys think? Yeah. Never. All right. Never. <laughs> Another hour. Yeah. Uh let's get into uh the Braddock family tree. Yeah. Listeners are clamoring. Let's try, oh, no. <laughs> let's try to explain Is all this... of X Men history. What about Merlin? Is that like the wizard of legend? Believe it. Wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't, did not know of, he was a Marvel character, too. Uh, there's lots of Arthur stuff tied up with X-Men specifically. I mean... King Arthur? We're all, we're all waiting for the Merlin Marvel snap card. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's wild. Well, like, for some reason, know. Dracula makes more sense, but Merlin <laughs> is... I don't know... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think King Arthur is a character, is he? But like you mentioned, Morgan Le Fay and Merlin, I'm and Excalibur sure is a thing. Arthur is in it because the I forget what the world is called, but it called ugh. is it Otherworld? That's the or one that was in the wiki where Merlin came from. Is Otherworld? Yeah. Yeah, Weird World is a different one. There's a lot of that's worlds. when that's when you draw from your opponent's deck. <laughs> but yeah. Oh uh, yeah, there's totally King Arthur Pendragon Earth 616. Yeah, he's a Marvel character. Yeah. It's a That's yeah, wild. It's interesting. The Captain Britain Corps is another, another interesting idea that goes all over the place. Is there other iconic just like character like a uh, um I like feel Robin like, Hood is I Robin feel Hood like a character? Santa is in the Marvel universe at some point. Santa I've heard Claus. that and DC, I think, right? All right, let's see. DC, I would believe it. Does that mean like? I don't know. They were cut off right at the end of this episode. So I don't really know if I should keep going or if I should just end it now. I know everyone's dying to hear more about <laughs> Santa Claus in the Marvel universe. 
Um, yes. Oh. Someone named Robin Hood with a Y. So we lost so. you guys in the middle of that, but <laughs> I think it was meant for the best. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. So sorry, people. <laughs> sorry. Join our Discord. Talk to us. Chance time podcast gmail.com. That's it. That's all I got. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming to see James. Have a happy chance Sunday. Bye. Bye.